Trump. Nobody made it. Yeah, he pushes right. the paw okay. and he see, makes sure his king has some space. Okay, that was close. Yeah, these Everybody guys, breathe. They don't blunder mate in one very often. <laughs> we should just remember it's all scripted. It's all part of the Illuminati plan. Yeah, two pawns up. <laughs> wow. Bit of horrible pawn structure. Yeah, but it's all about the white D pawn. If he keeps the central pawn alive, he might. <laughs> <gasps> you said they don't blunder checkmate in one, and then Hikaru immediately does. You commentator's curse. Wow. I did it. Sorry, Hikaru. I David! <laughs> I jinxed him. You dirty dog. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the C Squared Podcast, episode 28, I believe uh, we have made it. Fabiano, uh, big day for you. You just won a match, a very difficult match against Hikaru Nakamura, and you've uh, succeeded in getting to the finals of uh, the Champions Chess Tour, Champions Bracket, Winner's Bracket, however you want to call it. You still have two lives. It's a big day for you. How are you feeling, man? Yeah, it's it's a very good day. I won a match against Hikaru, and um, and I get a rest day tomorrow. Then I get to see who I'm playing next. It could be Hikaru again. It could be Levon Aronian. It could be, of course, Magnus Carlsen, who's still in it. And he's he's first playing Levon. The winner of that match, the loser gets eliminated. The winner of that match plays Hikaru. And the winner of that match goes to the uh, grand final, I guess is what it's called. Or It's the exact same system as the American Cup. Like, yeah. Literally the same system. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was uh, that was definitely a fun day, and uh, I've also it, it kind of coincided with my first day as a commentator on Hikaru's channel. So that was not planned. <laughs> it wasn't planned that uh, he's going to play against you. We knew that that could be a possibility, um, like a week ago or something like that. But decided to move on, and uh, yeah, it, it it was a bit weird, obviously, because um, I had to be impartial, and you know. Uh, I like Hikaru, but I like you a little bit more. So <laughs> that's. It's, uh, I don't think you have to be impartial. And we should just remember it's all scripted. It's all part of the Illuminati plan. So I don't know if uh, you know this player well, Valerie Salo. I've he heard of him. Country. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he was he was number three in the world back in the day, back in the nineties. Uh, and he's a generation of players like Kamsky, Anand, and so on. Uh, and. So he was super strong, but then he left chess at some point. But he has kind of every once in a while uh, aired his views about certain things. And they, they include like very, very um, wild. He has a blog, so right? A, I think he might. Or, or at some point he was like posting to like Russian, um, Russian chess, uh, you know, uh, message Media, boards. Yeah, 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 yeah discussing with other people his his theories which were extremely wide-reaching conspiracy theories and they involved for example uh me i mean i really even as like a, as a you younger made player okay uh at some point i was playing the 20 which one 2015 uh final of the grand chess tour which was held in london the london chess classic which no longer uh, is part of the grand chess tour but at some point it was right and I made nine draws in that event. And uh, in the last round, I'm playing Mickey Adams, who I think also made, well, I made eight draws. And I think he was he had also also drawn all his games. And we drew, drew our final game. And then Valerie Salov comes out with this, uh, with this idea or this theory, let's call it, 
that uh, he linked our draws together and he did some like numerical uh, work. And he found out that like if you added some numbers together, you would get like the mark of the beast <laughs> and and so on. And, and there was like all this um, – like his best theory, his best theory by far was uh, in the Kasparov-Anand match, which was um, held in – uh, 1995. Mm-hmm. This, I think mm-hmm. I'm getting it correct. Um, and in the ninth game and the eleventh game, there were exchange sacrifices. So he put all the math together. He put nine and eleven together, and then he put the the two towers together. Oh my goodness! And he found uh, that they had they had predicted the uh, terrorist attack in, in September 11, 2001. They had already years before. So yeah, he has some kind of crazy, um, crazy conspiracy theories. So they announced it through a chess match, through an arranged chess match. Well, that they was broadcasted. In New York. That, that was at the um, into the World, World Trade Center in New York, right? That mm. that match was was played there. Mm. Uh, so yeah, he he had has some very interesting theories, and uh, they included like my my draws against uh, in the London Chess Classic. I think nowadays it's more or less the simulation theory, yeah? Like everything that kind of coincides with whatever is happening in the real world uh, is, oh yeah, we're living in a simulation, basically. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's all scripted, everything. Uh, well, know. the checkmate on F8 was also scripted. But I yeah. have to say, I almost saw it coming because I understood. So the best move, and we'll get into the analysis at that point, instead of E4 was to give you a check and then play the move E4, right? And then I think move the king around. We'll we'll figure it out in um, um, as 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 we get into the analysis. I thought that he had like this rather like bishop e five just without h five. It's just fine, right? Without h five, yeah, 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 yeah. Black is le- is leading to a draw. He played e four, and then after g four, um, I I didn't see it coming. Like h five didn't come to mind because I thought, okay, you move the bishop, e five looked like a normal square to move the bishop to, and then. I'll give a check on a7, and uh, I don't know why he decided the inclusion of h5 would improve the situation. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't 100% sure I should take this pawn, because sometimes when you have these like free um, free pawns that double your either h or a pawns, it, it's never... like Also in the in the second game, I had this, right? I, I took at some point on h5, I doubled my h pawns. Um, like generally speaking... If I don't see like a very clear reason why you don't take this pawn, like for example, the second uh, game, uh, at what point? Well, at some point he he played h5 and then the pawn stayed there for a while. He could have always taken on g6. Yes. But later on, I took on h5 myself because he never took on g6. Yes. And MC it's it's always a question because you kind of ruin your structure. On the other hand, you do win a pawn and you have the option of at some point jettisoning the extra pawn. For example, um, in that second game, I could at some point have played h5 to h4. And forcing White most likely to capture on h4, and then uh, his pawn structure would also get damaged. At what point? So it's always it's always a tricky question with these moves. But in the end game, mm-hmm. unless you're like you're dissolving your winning chances, like uh, let's say you know two h pawns, uh, if they're alone, they don't really matter for much, right? In a in a rook end game, you can have two h pawns, you can have three h pawns, you can have one h pawn. It's still going to be a draw in a rook end game if there's no other pawns on the board. But uh, but in this instance, there were other factors at play. Like I had I had an extra passed pawn, and so on. And actually, this h pawn on h five, very very specifically, 
uh, enables like it creates a mating net along with the D5 plot, right? It enables it, it creates a mating net around Black King, yeah, a very unusual one, but uh, but nevertheless a mating net. That's probably why he didn't think about it because it's kind of unusual that a king gets mated on H on F7 by in an endgame with very few pieces on the board. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I, I wasn't thinking about the mate until he moved the bishop, and then I was like, oh, it's it's mate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Actually, since we're talking about that anyway, uh, let's discuss all of your matches pretty much. Let's start with the match between yourself and Le Quang. That was the first match. Yeah, should we go game by game? Because it, it was my first two matches all went to Armageddon. So I don't yes. know, should we go game by game? I think we should go to uh, the decisive game in uh, the match against Le Quang. So, okay, so let's just uh, jump I'll to just, that like, last one because. Sure. In the first four rounds, you just uh, made four uh, draws. Um, it was kind of on the edge, right? For the most part. Well, okay, so I'll just preface. We don't have to go into the details of those games, but from my point of view, what I felt in those first four games was that I was the only one who was better. He was like a tiny, tiny bit better Yes. in the second game, but I was objectively winning in two of those games and not in like super, super difficult ways, but he was very tenaciously holding on. He's mm-hmm. a very good defender. Mm-hmm. But he didn't ever create, um, he never outplayed me in the sense that he got like a better position. He was only like, he was on the back foot and then he was holding the games, which uh, is not to say, of course, that it means I was playing better. It just means that uh, he was struggling to break through more than I was and I was struggling to convert. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I'm having the upper hand. Uh, That being said, once you get to Armageddon, it doesn't really matter because it's pretty much a coin flip at yeah. least that's how i feel that, yeah and there's a like, bidding process right yeah so i bid um 10 29 <laughs> my thinking was 10 minutes is probably fair against 15 uh if i get over 10 minutes um if i get over 10 minutes it's probably good for black uh if he gets under 10 minutes I'm probably pretty happy with white, especially considering that I had advantages in the white games mm-hmm. and I was outplaying him from the opening in both games or maybe not like from the opening, but at some point I was getting good chances. Like I, I had positions in those two games that I would consider pretty good for Armageddon. And my feeling for Armageddon is you just want to play a long, slow, tense game with a lot of pieces yes. on the board. Yes. The more the tension increases, the more difficult it is, the more decisions they have to make. Uh, and specifically for this Armageddon, you have no increment, so you can just get flagged. Yeah. All right, let's get into the game. So I just repeated the line I played in e4, the previous E4, E5, knight f3, knight c6, bishop b5, knight f6, d3. And as you were mentioning, you were trying to avoid the end game, trying to avoid anything forced, just play a long game. Bishop c5. Yeah, so, so before the match, I decided, okay, he doesn't really play the Berlin much, but mm-hmm. he can always do this. Everyone knows the Berlin is sort of a safe haven. Mm-hmm. And I decided I would not really prepare for it specifically, but I would play a line which I know very, very well from mm-hmm. the white side. I've played it for years, and I, I have a lot of experience in these structures. Take, and then you can play knight e2, you can castle, you can play bishop g5, you can play knight c3, you can play h3. Mm-hmm. You can basically play whatever move I, you want. But knight d2 is the move that I sort of uh, played in the candidates. I, I played Hikaru Nakamura in the first round with it. Mm-hmm. So I know it quite well. Knight d2, he responded with bishop to e6. Obviously, we should mention you You don't really want to take on e5 because there's queen d4. And there's, Instead of uh, uh, castle, yeah? Take on e5, queen d4. Yeah, either, either before knight d2 or after knight d2, 
you can only threaten you only threaten to take this pawn after you castle or after you play queen e2 for example which is a move i've played in the past after bishop e6 i played queen e2 i played knight b3 including against nakamura you played that against, uh, against wesley firuja wesley i think darius Levon. i played queen e2 against levon in the 2014 world rapid championship yeah. and in a game i lost and that was the reason why i didn't win the world rapid championship but I ended up the half point behind Magnus, got second place. <laughs> so I, I played uh, Castle against Hikaru and the candidates. Yes. Knight d7. And, and uh, so bishop d6 is how Hikaru played, but knight d7 is a perfectly good move. I sort of associated with Kramnik because he, he was playing this quite a lot at some point. He played, for example, against Yu Yang Yi. He played this uh, many, many times. I played this myself also. Knight d7, I played against Sarge in the Olympiad in 2018. Uh, it leads kind of by force to this position where white has gained the bishop pair. Yes. Knight b3, uh, bishop b6, knight g5, take, take. White has gained the bishop pair. On the other hand, black has pretty much developed everything as well as you can hope to. And the knight on g5 will lose a tempo. It'll have to retreat at some point, go back to f3 most likely, which is what happened. f6, knight f3. Yep. And then the typical idea after knight c5, knight d2 is you bring the knight from d2 to c4 where it eyes the bishop on, on uh, b6 mm -hmm. and also makes room for the pawn on uh, f2 to advance at some point. Usually white plays king h1 and tries to get f4. And the idea of f4 is, generally speaking, that you trade an f for an e pawn. White will have two central pawns, black will have none, and this is generally considered to be a structural advantage, although not a game-deciding uh, one, but still something to work with. Yeah. It gives you more That's space why, advantage, right? As well. Yeah, it, and the bishop on f4 suddenly becomes very active. The downside is, of course, your king gets a bit weakened, but usually this is not a huge consideration. Yeah. So he played a move ninety six, which he also played in the um, in the third game of the match. Yes. The third game before the Armageddon. And By the way, were you doing any um, analysis in between games? No, no, no. I, I, I wasn't. Um, first of all, I, I don't really feel like. Uh, doing analysis, I'd rather rest my eyes a bit and not look at screens in between games. Uh, and also, like these games are usually not decided by the opening. You know, you you try to get a position you can play. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to get a winning advantage. And the main thing is with white, you get a playable position. With black, you don't get a terrible position. That's kind of what people are usually looking for. Yeah. So he played a move that he played also in the third game, ninety six. Yes. From my understanding, and I haven't like. I'm not the ultimate expert of this line, but usually people like queen d7 with the idea that they want to play knight e6 next, the knight belongs there, mm -hmm. but now queen h5 can be met with queen f7. Uh -huh. And and you would black doesn't mind a trade of queens, and so white doesn't really gain anything from this check. That makes sense. But he played knight e6 first, and now I was able to play queen h5, g6, and I don't know if queen e1 is correct, but I played it in both games, the third and Armageddon. Yeah, uh, but the idea is like g6 weakens f6 a little bit. It's sort of a little bit of a something for white to nibble on. In, and in it feels term, like once you play f4 and the f file opens up, that f6 pawn is going to become quite a weakness. Yeah, yeah, that that's exactly. If you like, imagine that all the minor pieces get traded, which can potentially happen, and then white plays f4 and black takes, then white will take with the rook, double the rooks on the f file, and the f pawn will either have to advance which will create more weaknesses, or it will have to be passively defended. Yes. So that's sort of the long-term idea. But still, we're only talking about the tiniest... Uh, advantage. Minute advantage, but still, something... Something to work that, with. Uh, something to work with. Anyway, he, now after knight c4, he yes. deviated from the, first, from the third game. 
I think he played bishop d4 in the third game, and I played bishop e3, and and uh, he ended up taking on on uh, e3 at some point. And he decided to play a6, which to me is a clear sign. If you play a6, that means you want to castle long. There's no other purpose of this move. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, if you castle long immediately, it loses a pawn. Knight takes b6. You cannot take if you take with, with the a pawn, pawn checkmate. And if you take with C pawn, you lose a7, and that's basically game over because that's a pawn for nothing. So a6 basically has one goal in mind and one only, and that is castle long. Yeah, so I played b4. So why did I make this move? I decided he's going to castle long, and I'm going to very happily take on b6. And then after he takes back, which is exactly what happened, yes. I'm going to want to play b3. And the point is, if he plays c5, now my pawn on b4 can capture that pawn and will slightly loosen up his pawn structure. Mm-hmm. And I sort of knew a little bit about these structures from my game against uh, Richard Report from the black side of the candidates, where in that game, I was a, the black piece, a very, very similar position to this one. And basically, at some point, he had knight on c4, I had bishop on b6, and I could have moved uh the bishop not allowing him to capture but i didn't and that was a mistake i should have moved the bishop and then yeah. he didn't capture and that was also a mistake he should have captured and he gave me the chance again to to move the bishop but i didn't and so i remember that that was sort of a theme that generally speaking black should not allow black should either castle short and then you can allow this change of structure or black should move the bishop but you shouldn't castle long and allow this change because then you end up with a very very vulnerable king in the long term the king on c8 is is actually much weaker than it looks, that even is, though it's limited material. That is actually very often why just like uh, blows open the lines on the queen side and and blacks can get under attack. That is pretty cool. Um, that you're actually learning new things in openings that you've been playing your whole life, and these don't sound. If you look at it um, with new eyes, and it, they don't sound like huge details, right? But chess is so vast that even this type of like small details in certain positions that you've been playing your whole life matter a lot and you learn them 20, 30 years into your career. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah, and the, the other thing is that it, it might not be a lack of education necessarily, but it might also be that our understanding changes. Not not personal understanding, but our collective understanding because uh, our resources, our tools that we use to analyze change. That it makes a lot of sense. Our tools would be people analyze on the board, and then they write down their the results of their analysis, and then people learn from that. But obviously, that's very flawed because because people, uh, even if they're amazing at chess, they do make mistakes. Yeah. And then it it, it became more that we use a computer and other tools, um, chess engines, I mean, especially to uh, to learn from the mistakes that we make in games that we often reach mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or structures that we often reach. Yeah. And that was still very fallible. But as time and uh, technology progresses, it becomes more and more that we can trust what the computer says. And that changes our understanding. For example, I see, because I see the engine in front of me, that uh, the move that Le Quanglian played, C5, is considered a disastrous mistake. Yes. And the move B5 is considered the best move. But from a human point of view, at least for me, and I I would assume other people might feel the same, C5 actually feels like the best move to restrict the bishop on E3. Correct. While the move B5 feels like, oh, you're weakening B6, and all these all these dark squares are now uh, completely in the hands of white. Yes. So, so even our like intuition from from good, very good players like Le Quang Liam, uh, 
can can be mistaken. Yeah. It's not like you immediately have the right idea of what to do in a position. So he played c5, and I was expecting this move. And you played king h1? And, and I made a mistake. I really should have taken, uh, and then moved the queen, and tried to... So basically, I moved the queen to d2. Mm-hmm. I played rook fb1, I played b4. So that's the general idea. I knew that this was sort of what I should be doing. But... Sorry, I'm having trouble connecting to the internet. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. All right. We're, we're, we're going to go into a tangent. <laughs> no, Alexa, stop. Please, stop. First of all, you should unplug every single Alexa you have in your home. I cannot believe that you as a smart individual do not care about your security and trust the government. Do you actually trust the government that they're not listening to to your Alexa? They're listening to everything that we're talking about right now. I think think if if they want to listen to me, they have ways to listen to me without without the little uh, Alexa device. You should definitely unplug it. All right, that, comment, that comment, said. comment in the comment section if you believe that <laughs> your Alexa is listening to you, and if you do have Alexas plugged in into your apartment house. Christian, you have you have a phone, you have a computer. Like we, we know this, right? I mean, uh, like we've known this for a long time, ever since Snowden, right? That the NSA can can tap into your uh, into your computer webcam. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I I like privacy as much as as anyone else, but. Uh, I don't think we should have any illusions about how, how private our lives really are. Interesting. All right. All right. Back to chess. Okay. So so I should have taken on C5 and immediately tried to get B4 and however, like, I, you just need to open lines. Right. Um, Black Towards King is weak, but you need to open the lines. Yeah. I decided to hesitate. This was sort of like, I don't think I was Normal ready hesitation. for a decisive strike. Yes. Decisive yes. strike yet. I thought King H1, then me useful move. My idea was uh, at some point, maybe Black will play Knight D4. And I wouldn't want to allow a check on e2. So I was seeing lines where, just to give an idea, take take queen e1. And I don't know why queen e1 looked like more useful than queen d2, but I was seeing the move knight d4 here, and suddenly queen c3 loses a queen to knight e2. So yes. that's sort of why I decided to play king h1. That being said, it is a very careless and um, it's not a great move, but for an Armageddon game, at I the guess. S- uh, at the same time, you are playing fast, and I think this is quite important. You are putting a lot of pressure early on on, on the clock. Yeah, I think the idea is more just to keep a time advantage and keep the position tense. And um, it's not like it course. loses the whole advantage, right? No, no, no. It's it's not a terrible move. It's just uh, definitely um, gives him more chances to defend. Right. So he played King B8. It's another one of those, like, it's not a great move probably, but everyone's going to play King B8. Nobody's going to play Queen B5 here. Yeah. Um, the king is a bit safer on B8 than C8, and you don't want to think too long, so you play King B8. Yes. Take, take, Queen to I E1. Took, I realized at some point I have to take. I have nothing better. I played queen e1. Trying to Why didn't I want to play queen d2? I was a bit worried about some kind of c4 stuff. It was sort of like a vague worry. I realized probably c4 is not something I should ever be worried about, but I was kind of worried about that. And obviously, in this case, there's always queen b4 followed by queen b6 and rook takes a6 ideas. So black should definitely not be playing c4 to open the lines. But that's why I played queen e1. Yes. Rook, rook c8, c8 good move. b3. Now his point is b4. He suddenly has all these c4 things. Ah, and okay. um, rather than you know opening up lines, it looks like it's a bit more difficult to open up lines. Also, B4 allows knight D4, but I think C4 might also be a good. Move. That's what, at least the reason I didn't play B4. Yeah, that's why I played B3. Okay, B3. I was kind of 
I made like a conscious decision that I probably lose my advantage at this point because I'm playing too slow. But on the other hand, the position remains super tense and he has no targets. Yes. So that's why I played b3. He played rook c6. Rook c6, kind of, maybe not the best move, but you can't really uh, can't really criticize it. I played rook a2, my idea is c2 is somehow hanging. Now I'm maybe threatening b4. Like if he makes some sort of, uh, uh, or if he just passes, if you were right. allowed to Let's pass. Let's say he goes g5. Yeah, which is not really a pass, it's actually a semi-useful move. My idea was now that I have this B4 push. Yes. And now there's no there's no knight D4 stuff because C2 is protected. And if C4, then suddenly I have this whole B5 thing. Because take the rook on is on C5. And I actually didn't calculate anymore. I just saw, okay, open line. We'll we'll find something. Yes. That was, yes. And the computer kind of shows that you have some tactics here. Bishop A7. There's like Queen A1 stuff. There's all, all sorts of ideas, yeah. Yeah. So, of course, he decided to prevent it. He played rook HC8, yes. His idea was if b4, he can take on b4, queen takes b4, and the rook on c8 is obviously better placed yes. compared to uh, on h8. And the reason I didn't go for this was because suddenly after c4, queen before I saw this move queen d6. And I don't want to trade queens because that would really ruin my attacking potential. And then I thought, okay, now c2 is hanging. And if I, if I have to play a move like queen b1, yeah, I, I didn't like this too much. It looked like I'm a bit too passive, and he might have knight d4 stuff here. Yeah, and queen b3, probably knight d4. Um, that kind of pushes you back a little bit more. So yeah, it doesn't so look like your attack I, is succeeding at this point. This is why I played h3, sort of like, okay, at some point, maybe the first rank will be uh, vulnerable. Like Always useful at some point. to get some yeah, luft. I'd like, just like to have king h2, just so I don't get back rank checkmated or have to worry about that in the future. Yeah. He played g5. b4, knight d4. Maybe he should have stopped b4. Maybe some move like queen d6, stop b4, it was better. Um, uh huh, yes. At this point, I was like, I don't know what to do. So I played b4. <laughs> yes. And I expected take, take queen d6. It's similar to the other line. But at this point, I was like, okay, I just need to play it. And then I move my queen somewhere. I was then, thinking, yeah. And then you think, yeah. Yeah, and then we play this position where it's, it's very, um, very tense, very double edged structurally. I don't know if white's actually any better here, but uh, but it's not a it's a fight. Yeah. He played knight d4 instead. Take rook takes. I played a good move c4, but it was out of necessity. I, I needed to defend c2, and how else can I do it? I really like the pin on the knight on d4. Bishop on e3 yeah. controls everything pretty much. That's why he played his next move, rook, rook c6. c6. Yeah. So I made the move queen b4. It looks to me like a very natural move, but it's probably not the best one. I see that the computer recommends rook a5. I didn't notice this idea to put the rook on d5, but uh, I don't know if I would have even played it because it allows knight c2 anyway, but but it probably was a very dangerous move for him. Mm-hmm. Instead, he I played, played queen b4, queen d6, queen d6, and then I was like, okay, where do I go now? Queen a5, obviously my play was getting very random. Um, I had some vague ideas of playing, obviously my main idea is rook b1, and I had some vague ideas of playing queen d5 as well and trying to go into an endgame where I have some passed pawns. Mm-hmm. He played rook b6, very good move, stopping rook b1. Yes. At this point, I was like, I don't know what to do. I didn't see a move. Yeah. Like I need to, I need to contest the B file, but I don't see a move. So that's why I played Rook A one, with the tactical point that Knight B three does not win a piece. It actually because loses. Queen takes B six. Yeah. He played Rook P three. Excellent move. Queen and D2. now I made uh, a choice. I don't know if it was the right choice. My first thought was, okay, Rook F B one, um, to trade Rooks, but. Uh, to be honest, I didn't see like after rook d3 what to do. Rook b6, rook c6, I just didn't see what to do here. And I thought 
if I go for some kind of complications, it eases his task a lot because he takes on D3 and suddenly the onus is on me to find some some sort of uh, tactical shot here. Yeah. And if you don't and if you don't have that, then your whole structure pretty much collapsed at this point. At least my winning chances would be would Doing be the down. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I played Queen D2. No, it makes a lot of sense. Knight e6, trying to target yeah, that. Yeah, probably not even. I mean, if he had played queen before, I really has. I, I was actually worried about this move, and I was going to play queen d1 because I don't. I didn't think that I would go for the rook endgame. Right. On yeah. the one hand, rook endgames, um, like it's such a weird structure. I take on d4, e d4. He has like this very weak d pawn, so I can play rook a5, d5. But I was super scared that his a pawn would be really powerful, and that even if I won a few pawns, that he would still get a lot of counterplay. Yeah. So I was actually going to play Queen D1, and I wouldn't have done it happily, but I would have done it just like out of necessity to keep the queens on. Yeah. So I think Knight E6 was definitely a practical mistake. I played Rook FB1. I was ready to sack because now after Rook D3, I figured, okay, my rooks are both uh, firing, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, and yeah, I probably should have. I mean, this was all kind of intuitive. You can probably go. I probably shouldn't have played Queen or something A5. like that. Queen B2, but you know, I thought he plays Queen C6 and like, what's my next move? I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, but I probably had some very dangerous like Queen B2, Queen C6, Queen E2, and just trying to to basically get a rook to B6 at any cost. And this looks like some sort of a computer maneuver, yeah? You don't actually yeah. see it. You don't play this type of uh, maneuvering during during the game. Yeah, I basically played um, Queen A5 because it just looked like an active square. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I had some huge plan here um the <laughs> other thing is that if he had played knight d4 here we actually transposed to the position that we were discussing where i didn't see anything right mm -hmm. so um so it's not like i had some huge plan <laughs> i was basically just like i'm bluffing at this point yeah but, yeah, yeah. but I'll, you have I'll, to make I'll the moves find right? some you have to make the moves you have to put pressure on his time on his clock yeah i mean he we were like i still had an edge on the clock uh 741 to about five minutes but that's an edge that can really go away fast. And once you lose that edge, you have an equal position or a bad position and no advantage on the clock, and you have to win. Yeah. That's not really... And he played so rook he played c6. Rook c6. He, he thought for like a minute, minute and a little bit. Uh, he played rook to c6. Good move, by the way. Good move. Yeah. I mean, first of all, a very natural move. You prevent rook b6, you prevent queen takes a6, and a good move. Yeah. So I played king h2. This move I can explain. I wanted to double on the b file. But if I play rook b2 or rook a2, he plays rook d1, he trades rooks, and uh, and there you go. Your attacking potential goes out the window. Yeah. So I played king h2 just so I could double my rooks. Mm -hmm. Now that he made a, a sort of, not a good move, um, but it's sort of a move that you can explain by he was afraid of the lineup of the rook on b1 with the king on b8, so it was sort of an intuitive decision. Yeah. I think if he had played like knight d4, my attacking potential is very, very little because my bishop it gets shut out of the game. Oh, sorry. Uh, give me just one second. There we go. So knight to d4, I really doubt I would have won this game. Um, yes. Yeah, what can I say? <laughs> it, it wasn't a good position. King c8, I played rook a2 very mm -hmm. happily. At least uh, now if knight d4, rook b2, he has to deal with the threat on b7 and we're getting somewhere. We're starting yes. to get somewhere. Yes. He played knight d4, um, rook b2. The correct move was queen c7, but I think this is a very difficult move because I can play bishop b6 basically without thought, and then you have to justify this move. Yeah. And the computer basically says the bishop on b6 is blocking the attack. So but, just for example, queen to e7 or something like that. Queen to e7, but I play rook a to b2, and 
I don't know. It, it looks practically like at least my moves are easy. I move my bishop next, I attack b7, and the game goes on. From a practical point of view, we're disregarding the computer rebel. Yeah. I, I like this for an Armageddon game. Yeah. This looks playable. Yeah. So King C8, I think, uh, was not a great choice. He played knight d4 now, but after rook a b2, Queen uh, c7. It's already a different situation. Rook c7 allows rook b6. Yes. And uh, yeah, white's getting some threats. Uh, maybe not enough for an advantage or anything, but definitely enough to scare black. Yeah. So he plays queen c7. Big mistake. The first, like, really big mistake. Uh, I make a mistake in turn, but I played it instantly. To me, it was like, I need to threaten queen f8. So I, I didn't look at queen a2 at all. Yeah. Queen a2 was not on my radar. Queen, queen b4 was the only move I considered. Yeah. And I saw this b6, queen a4, and I thought, that looks very, very nasty. Um, computer says that you can defend with queen to b7 after queen a4. I mean, once I he plays b6, it just feels like things are kind of shutting down on, on the queen side for him. Yeah, also, he was down to like 2 minutes 30 seconds, even if he plays queen b7, and the computer says 0, 0, 0, whatever yeah, that forget means about in this position. That. Forget about that. You're probably going to get flagged. I'm up two minute, four minutes on the clock. All the pieces are on the board. This is Armageddon. Um, there's no increment. Yes. It's very difficult. It's a, it's a can, bad situation. You can go queen b4, start looking at f8. Uh, this well, I just is not can't, can't from b4, so that would allow him to just repeat without thought. But, but you can but I, get I would, some iteration of that, like start with rook a2 and then go queen to b4, things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, you could also play bishop d2 with it, the idea of bishop to a5. And he has to find basically the only move knight to e6. Yeah. Super weird move because, Good luck. you know, I Good mean, luck. this is just yeah. a game which goes on and on and White has an initiative. Yeah. Instead, he plays king to b7. This is a blunder. He missed rook a2. Um, that's the only explanation for king b7. And he probably thought a5, but then he takes a5. And he can't uh, take back because of the pin. So rook a2 is game over. And once you and the rest of the game was very very simple. Once you infiltrate, uh, you go to f8, and then it's just a matter of time until yeah, it's just equal material, and his king is completely naked basically. And very nice, just very nice. No, that was that that was a good game. Um, obviously, this type of Armageddon's are probably going to be the bread and butter of uh, this format. You have to be really good, and you have to be very decisive in this type of situations. And it seems like you were. After that, you well, played... This game, this game reminded me a lot of the game I won, which wasn't Armageddon, but it was a must-win against Levon. Levon at the American Cup. Yeah, yeah. I lost yeah. the match, but I did win that game, and it was in the same way. Rooks on A and B files. Berlin. Uh, King on the queen side. Same, same line, basically. Yeah, same, um, same, same ideas. Yeah. So go basically study that game. game. Um, go study that game if you want to see how to break... Black's pawn structure on the queen side whenever he castles queen side. Cool. Um, Artemiev. Interesting match. Wait. Let's see. Did you play Artemiev? Yes. Yeah, I did. I did play Artemiev in the next match. Draw, uh, draw so in the first two games. Then he beats you. And then you win in a must-win situation. So, um, since we don't have well, that much time, let's go into the must-win situation game. Sure. Yeah. So I'll just preface by the. Um, uh, so the first game was a nothing draw. Basically, he got nothing from the opening. We drew the game without any sort of uh, drama or advantage switching or anything. Yeah. Second game was the complete opposite. I was much, much better, much higher, much more time on the clock. Then once the time equalized and we were both in time trouble situation, he equalized and he was completely winning. Like, at some point, basically, very, very simple moves were winning, but somehow he confused himself. I had a knight jumping around. It's kind of confusing, I guess. 
uh, and I somehow saved a position which at some point was like forced mate basically in that game with like it was almost table based territory like it was very few pieces on the board left yeah so that was a draw and then the third game which I lost I was controlling the game the entire time at some point I had like 12 minutes against four and just complete positional dominance and no risk and then at some point he's like defending very very well and he's he's equalizing the game pretty much uh, my advantage, and then I just couldn't switch modes from like I've been dominating the whole game to I needed to take a draw now. And for some bizarre reason, I took up the remainder of my time, decided to play on instead of a repetition, which he was going for. And it, it was a terrible way to play on. I was immediately much worse, losing probably, and I uh, promptly lost the game. Then I needed to win. Yeah. So I repeated the same line of the anti Berlin that I played against Le Quang. Mm hmm. D3. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tammy played D6 instead of Bishop C5. Totally different kind of game compared to Bishop C5. Uh, we played very, very standard moves. I was just trying to play fast. I castle, was Bishop not C7, picking. Rookie 1, Castle, C3. Plans are pretty straightforward. You try to play for D4. He's trying to get something on the queen side. Yeah, this kind of transposes to a very similar line of like the anti-martial, which is Some sort of a side if he plays or something eight, like that. A6 on the first move, on the third move, bishop a4, knight f6, uh, castle, bishop e7, yep. d3, d6, yep. and c3, castle, rookie 1, for yep. example, we get exactly the same position. Mm-hmm. H3, so, knight e7. Yeah, knight e7 was not a super big surprise, but a bit of a surprise. It's, it's kind of a common plan. It's like a very natural looking plan. You put the knight on g6, but uh, I was aware that these positions after black plays c5 and white plays d5 that the computer estimates them very highly for white mm-hmm. um the reason that i was sort of aware was because i, I checked relatively recently after my game against arjun aragaisi i was like thinking about this plan during the game 97 g6 from a similar position not the same position but a similar one and um the computer was liking it for white it just said you play d5 and then you play on the queen side a4 bishop b3 knight g3 so on oh, i remember that that was a tata steel right yeah, he, he didn't go for in that game. He didn't go for ninety seven g six. Instead, he went for a d five plan, which is much more direct. Yeah, which of course Artemiev could have played d five instead of ninety seven. Perfectly uh, playable move. Yeah, um, or he could have played bishop. I mean, black has h uh, six. You know, black has basically every move under the sun. Yeah, I think c five is a little bit like if you play this plan, maybe you should play c six and try to play a bit more of a fluid center. Yeah. Uh, I was very happy to get this C5, sort of structure. D5, bishop d7. Knight g3, h6. Bishop he was B4. also getting much lower on time compared to me, but yeah. that was the, the theme of the match. that I This was is something that he does, right? He goes very, very low on time, and then suddenly he starts playing the best moves in the position. Uh, it's kind of unnerving. Well, it's... Uh, I mean, this style I know from, from Grishuk, right? This is sort of Grishuk style that he... Um, it's not because they're time trouble addicts is just because they uh, they think that's how it, the best way for them to play chess is. Uh, it's not like they're you know trying to to do something that people would think is, is bad for your like you shouldn't get into time trouble right people think that mm-hmm. but for them it's like okay I, I want to get a good position and then in time trouble I'll f- figure it out but uh, I want to play as accurately as possible while I have the time yeah. The other advantage of this is that it allows you to get your head in the game. Like your head is, you're never on autopilot, so your head is always working. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, yeah, time trouble usually makes a fool of us. Mm-hmm. Some, like for me, it definitely does. Some people more than others. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that's not a style that I would go for, but but for Artemi, it does seem to work out. Yes. So uh, you played B3, C4, Rook to C1. Yeah, B3 questionable, C4 good move. Um, otherwise, I might play A4, for example. I might play C4. I might solidify my central structure. So you play C4. Rook C1 questionable as well, but complicated position. I wasn't sure what to do. Yep. Take, take A5. I played A3 here. The reason I did that was because after C4... Okay, I have a B4. question for you. So after Rook to yep. C1, why did he take on B3? Um, well, I don't really know. Like I was expecting Rook E to C8, but I was planning on taking on C4 in that case. And if he takes with the pawn, I thought this is a good structure. The c4 pawn is a long-term weakness. I can play mm -hmm. rook b1, queen d2, a4, and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's sort of a pawn which can't be defended by other pawns, so so it will always be weakness. Yeah. And if he takes with the queen, bishop to b3, queen c7, we have the exact same position. If he takes on b3 and plays rook e to c8. So, so that's why you thought, played uh, rook to c1. Yeah, I wanted to take on c4 and play bishop b3. That makes sense. So uh, he took... And then a5. He took an a5. He probably thought c4 is not a big deal because he plays b4 and I can't get c5. And if I can't get c5, then my structure can... It really depends on the concrete factors. Like if my knight on f3 was on d3, I think that this would be terrible for black because white just gets c5 and starts uh, basically rolling all over black. Yeah. But with the knight on f3, white is simply not in time. Yeah. So that's why I played a3. I wanted to... If a4, I put my bishop back on a2, and then I play c4 and try to open up, get rid of my weak c-pawn and uh, establish basically a symmetrical structure. But the only difference is I have the d5-pawn, he has a d6-pawn, which means that I have a space advantage and uh, I'm better structurally. Yep. So so a3, rook e to c8. Now I happily played c4 because after b4, I take take, and now it's different from the other version, because now he can't play a4. So my bishop on b3 is actually quite solid on b3. It can't be chased mm. away by a pawn coming to a4. That's a nice little detail. Yes, that's a nice So I detail. played this move queen d2, and I immediately regretted it. Because then I saw that after queen d2, he has this really strong bishop a4, and just like concretely, I can't um, fully consolidate. I would probably have to play rook b1. So the idea take, is that take. if you take on b4, rook cb8 just wins material. Well... I don't know if it wins, but it wins the material. Probably, yes. yeah. Yes. Probably, I don't have winning chances after that. Right. So, so I would play rook b one, but then he would take take queen c four rook b four, and okay, I'm definitely a bit better here just based on the structure. Mm -hmm. But there's not many pieces left, and it's very very close to equal. And yeah. I don't think I would have gone for this, so I don't know what I would have done. Maybe queen c two tried to exchange the queens. It doesn't seem like he has a lot of weaknesses left. In yeah. Position. That's why queen d two was the right idea. Basically, yeah. I want to shuffle my rooks so they're on b1 and c1 because that's where all the action is. But I had to first play rook b1 mm -hmm. and then next play queen d2 so mm -hmm. that he's not able to play bishop a4. He missed it. He played queen b7. Yeah, he thought for a long time and he played the most natural move, like the first move I considered with queen d2. I, I played queen d2 in a second. So I was like, my only thought process was queen d2, queen b7, rook b1. Um, so that was careless. But he played queen b7 after two minutes. Definitely big mistake. Rook b1. Yep. Now bishop a4, wrong move order. Uh, I played rook e to c1. The computer kind of doesn't like this, but knight d7 is not such an obvious move because it allows knight f5 and you no longer attack e4. So knight d7 is not like super obvious to me. No. He took, took rook a4. So here I thought for a long time and I think it was a very good uh, time to think. And by the way, Basically, at this point first... he had like an, a minute and 38 seconds. So yeah. all you had to do was find a strong sequence that's going to put a lot of pressure on his 
clock, make him think but, and find. But some he good tends moves. to to play very well in time travel, so I wasn't like getting ahead of myself here. I have a yeah. big time advantage. I have an interesting position, but you know he can also outplay me because he does tend to play very well despite his time, his low time. So in this position, my first thought was ninety one, but then I saw this move knight f four. And it sacks a pawn, but suddenly my knight on e1, it's like it's very passive and he has the pass b pawn. So then I started looking at alternatives. I was looking at, for example, queen to c2 with the idea bishop d2 and rook b1 and try to get that pawn. But then he plays knight d7. He gets the knight to c5 and he's super solid. And that's why I didn't, I thought knight e1, okay, like in an ideal world, if I get knight d3, I actually just win the b4 pawn and, and maybe the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only move I calculated after knight e1 was knight to f4, which, which is what he played. played. So yeah. I, I spent basically three minutes calculating this line, and uh, and the game followed it. That before I took, took, took. And you played quite uh, quickly these moves. Yeah, I expected knight of four. I, I planned on taking. I was like, okay, now I need to play fast. I and was at, sure that he would play queen to a six. At this point, he had thirty six seconds after he played the move queen to a six. Yeah, the reason queen a six is a mistake, but it's also the move which I considered because it it directly attacks the c four pawn, and the pawn can't be defended. Mm. So when you see this move, you just kind of want to play it. Yeah, if you like go super deep, then you might play rook to a3. But then white plays rook to b1, and black can't play queen a6 anymore. So black is actually a pawn down, and will probably be counting on the pass b pawn, which is you know it's one of those things that might work out but might not, and that's why he went for the more direct queen a6. Makes sense. I played knight f5 quickly because it's what I planned on playing when I played knight uh, e1. And he took rook c4. g6. I didn't consider it's a crazy move. I mean, I'm sure it's a great move. <laughs> Yeah, but it's also a crazy one because it leaves knight on f six hanging, and but it can also knight... just go knight d three. So yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure how good this is. It, it might, might just not be, be good, but, but it's the best move. Yeah, but he took knight h six. So the point is, if g h six, rook g three, he just gets mated. King h seven, queen f five. Okay, queen f six also mates, but queen f five is forced mated. A few yep. moves. Yeah. So he has to play king h seven, knight f seven, and this is where I kind of had to stop my calculation when I played knight to e one. I thought. I don't know what's going on here. It looks like a mess, but I am up two pawns. Uh, I do have a knight on around his king and a queen, which is usually very good attacking potential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I just have to go for it. I don't even need to like worry about all the details. You just go for it, and then you figure you let him figure out how to find compensation. Yeah. The only way to fight on was rook to a1. I didn't see this move, also because I wasn't really like. Uh, but even rook to a1 is still. You're much better, if not. Yeah, yeah. This is just like winning. the only way for him to like try to fight. Continue off, the game. Say, yeah, yeah. From a practical point of view. Yeah. Um, but I, I was only worried about how keeping my winning chances alive. So he took queen c1, knight g5. First was more accurate, but okay, queen c1, uh, king g8, knight g5, rook a1, queen d2. Queen d2. I thought at this point I'm like the game's over. Yes. Because b4 is falling, and I'll be up three pawns. But then he played this move rook a2, and suddenly I was like a bit confused because. Queen takes before is met by queen e2, and there's a lot of things hanging, and f2 is hanging. Uh, of course, we any good player would realize that it's winning for white, but still, you're you're getting a bit confused with uh, with black's threats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and you played. I only F3. played queen b4 when I saw this move rook f3. Yeah, because my first thought was knight d3, but then I saw that he gives a check. For example, um, uh, rook a1, king h2. Queen d1, and then he has some kind of like knight h5 is already threatening mate on h1. And I was like, I don't want to get mated. 
<laughs> um, you know, this this is probably winning for white in many ways, of course, because black is, still has almost no attacking potential. But, but it's it's uh, scary looking for sure. Yeah, then I saw this move rook f3, and the point is rook a1, rook e3 defends everything, and that's once you see that, you you can basically um, play it. You can stop your calculations because that's all you need to see. Yeah, and the rest of the game was not super difficult. Yeah, yeah, you just uh, invaded with a queen, finished with queen to f5. Nice checkmate. Nice uh, bounce back victory in a must win situation, and I think that was a huge uh, morale booster as well. And after that, in uh, the arm, I have to say the Armageddon felt quite smooth. I don't think you had. No, 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 no. It Wait, was not. Am I? Am I? I might be. Okay. I had a losing position in the Armageddon. Oh, you did. Yeah. Basically, the opening was a bit of a weird one. Oh, never mind. Yeah, I'm confusing. Of course, of course, this was a crazy game. Oh, yeah. but okay. We we have to highlight this moment. Um. Because I did, I think it did the rounds on the internet, uh, but I also was watching this live and I really enjoyed it when you played it. Uh, move 33, queen to f8. Yeah, so... Like, and by the way, Chesakam gave was, you a brilliancy for that one as well. I, I was lucky that I <laughs> even was in the game because I completely blundered knight takes d5 earlier in the game. Oh, you did? I mean, I saw the move, but I didn't like, I didn't realize f7 is hanging somehow. Oh, so you did blunder like, oh, okay. knight takes d5. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I saw the move as possible, but I was like, okay, f7. I didn't see that f7 is hanging. So I just thought, okay, I go back to d7 and, and what's the point? Right. Uh, uh, then he played and I was like, oh, I actually lose f7 and the rook. But still, it looked like a mess to me. I mean, I, I see the computer says winning, but... Mm. I mean, it it I doesn't have, look easy. It, it really doesn't look pieces. easy. Yeah, two pieces. The knight on g4, his king is vulnerable. I, I wasn't like despairing. Yeah. And this move g3. So my first thought was knight f3 looks natural. Yeah. But then he takes, takes queen c6. And I couldn't figure this out. Like I can go to b8, but then I thought he'll interpose with something on b6. Um, I didn't actually realize that uh, queen b6 apparently loses to queen takes g3, f3, f2. That's sick. That if is I had seen the tactic, sick. I would have played it. Oh, that um, is so sick. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, this would be the, this would have been the, best way to play from a, a an Armageddon point of view because rook b6, queen a7 and the computer is saying it's some sort of forced draw but there's queen takes f3, I'm actually down like a million piece, million pawns for um, and computer says bishop d3 with a draw but this is like a little bit too difficult I think Yeah. Uh, so so the reason I played queen f8 <laughs> first I thought bishop c8 and um, and then I saw like queen takes c6 and then suddenly he's like taking e4 as well. And I was like, okay, this looks too messy. And I don't want to give up my e4 pawn because once my e4 pawn goes, even if, I w even if I'm up a piece, he already has like three connected past pawns. Yeah. So I don't want to do that from just like a purely practical point of view. And then I was like, okay, queen f8 first. And now if queen takes e6. Um, you still have to okay, play bishop so, c8. Yeah. The thing is, I was going to play bishop g6, which computer says... So my, my reasoning for this was like all off. Um, but I'll, I'll honestly say I, I was not in control of the situation. Computer says I anyway have to play bishop c8, which is kind of funny. Yes. So um, I don't think, I don't know if I would have played that move because I would have had, had to realize that other moves, which look very tempting, like bishop g6 are not good. Mm. Um, bishop g6, knight takes c4 seems to be. And I guess knight g5 is a problem. 
Uh, if you take yeah. before you take back. The thing is, you see like check. you see knights f3, and it feels like black has something, but uh, king g2, and computer says it's it's Benito. Uh So, so I hate to spoil the illusion <laughs> that I was being brilliant, but uh, it's still pretty brilliant. Come on, I mean, one queen thing F8 I did realize was, really was that nice. after rook to a8. Yes, I was going to play queen to f6 because I saw this bishop c8 knight e4 uh didn't it didn't seem to be working out so i was gonna play queen f6 oh very nice knight e4 and you take the queen but he takes your queen back and probably but he just blundered immediately queen c7 was was basically a i, I can explain why i think he played this move i mean he wanted to he go queen thinking, f4 right yeah so he was thinking that the bishop on f5 is destined for g6 because mm. if it goes anywhere else, it allows knight takes e4. Mm. And so he was preventing bishop g6, or trying to, with queen to f4. He was thinking, mm -hmm. okay, bishop g6 is the threat, mm -hmm. so queen f4. But it wasn't the only threat. There was also bishop c8, which probably didn't like enter his mind at all. Mm. Um, the only other thing I can think of is that he wanted to play knight takes e4 after bishop c8, with the idea of bishop a6, gh4 is some sort of mess, right? He has a bunch of pawns. Um, and he missed knight to, knight to f3 as an intermediate check, and I'm not up just one, but I'm actually up two pieces. So this is hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was a it was a game of one blunder. Like yeah. any other move, and it's a huge fight. Queen c7, and it's just game over. And I even had a ton of time as well, so I I wasn't worried. Yeah, very nice. And actually, you finished it in a very professional style. You repeated position in a completely winning position, but. I mean, draw as yeah, a match. Up, so <laughs> I'm up well. for, for not even a single pawn. So of course I, I am completely <laughs> winning, but uh, but there's no reason to risk draw as the match. Yeah, excellent. That was uh, that was nice. And of course, today's match uh, against Hikaru, it was pretty crazy because I have to say, probably the first game decided the match, at least in my eyes, because the first game was so imbalanced. Crazy opening, crazy position in the middle game, and then everything got concluded into time travel. Um, so yeah. let's get into that. Yeah, so I, I do remember this line. Um, basically, knight d4 is a decent move. Mm -hmm. Okay, when I played this this English, I was just looking for a, a big fight. Yes. I wasn't sure after g3 if you would play bishop to b4, if you would play d5 or knight d4, all are decent moves. Uh, but I kind of expected him to play this d5 line with bishop c5, because it's considered... It, this is actually Grishuk's invention, d5, take, take, bishop g2, bishop c5. Uh, he invented it, I think, in 2017. You used to play this as well. I played this, uh, prepared this for the World Championship match. Yeah. I played it against Magnus in the yeah. World Championship match. Yeah. Then after that match, at some point they realized, um, because I, I played rook to e8. That was like considered the old sort of remedy, rook to e8 here. Castle, castle, d3, rook e8, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, castle, castle, d3, rook, e8. Yeah, no, and then at some point, uh, yeah, bishop, g5 is what Magnus played. Mm -hmm. Knight, c3, bc, f6, bishop, c1. Mm -hmm. Some sort of very tough fight. Of course, rook, e8 is not a bad move by any means. But then at some point, they realized that black can play his move h6. And basically, everyone stopped playing this whole thing. Like, after h6, nobody wants to play this anymore with white. Nobody can find any ideas. Recently, Wesley against uh, Levon took took a b3, and then Black played e4, uh, e4 take take bishop b2. I don't remember what happened next, but basically, I think rook d8, queen c1, and, and Black made a quick draw. It's like uh, White has absolutely nothing, no ideas. 
it's still it's still like a, obviously a tense position, but from a theoretical point of view, nobody wants to enter this white. Okay. I, I, I don't so, want to ask you why or what you had ready against this D5, so I'm not going to ask you that. And no, no, I, I mean, say I'm, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you shouldn't tell me. All right, good. Um, so, okay, he played knight d4. Um, he did. Knight d4, bishop two, take, take, bishop b4. So I remember that, like, after bishop b4, there was this funny move g4. Uh-huh, I don't know if it's been uh-huh. played, but yeah, yeah. it is, like, some sort of uh, kind of crazy option. Mm-hmm. But I figured if he's playing this line, I probably don't want to start playing g4 without any prep, and he might know it. Yeah. So I decided to play... Um, I, Queen like, b3, play it safe. Yeah, the old old style. Like, I... I played this line with Black in 2008. Like it used to be my favorite line with Black. I played it against Peter Hein Nielsen in 2008. Um, anyway, like the the position is not super concrete, so I was just making moves quickly or mm-hmm. relatively quickly, and so was he. D3 castle, Bishop G2, Queen C2, Knight A4, Bishop A7, Bishop D2, C6. Yeah, probably Bishop D2 and C5 is not a great idea, but it's sort of. I knew that it's a possible idea in some positions and a d5 and e4. And here the problem is, is concrete. Mm-hmm. Like I think Hikaru also mentioned this on his recap, bishop g4, rook f1, and this rather surprising move. Which After I c5. See. Yeah, bishop g4 is the best move. Mm-hmm. Hikaru mentioned this. Like he, his, mind, his mind was not on this idea, neither was mine. Bishop g4, rook f1, and knight d7. It's, it's a bit unusual. Take on d6, queen f6, and then you take on d6 back. And the and position the is... The bishop is finally alive. Yeah. On it's objectively equal, but it's a sort of equal where black is a bit more comfortable. Yeah. 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 Instead, he played d5. From my point of view, it's a positional mistake. Yes. I played e4. Yes. Bishop to e6. Now I made a very serious mistake. Um, h3. I don't know why I played h3. I was basically thinking, I, can, I have all the time in the world, so I can play this as slow as I want, which is not true. Uh, in reality, white needs to play a3 and b4 quickly to mm-hmm. solidify the c5 pawn. And for example, one advantage of a3 is he plays bishop to b8, like in the game. Mm-hmm. Now I play knight b6, rook a6, and b4. And after take, I take back with the pawn. And now he he has to trade rooks on the a file, so I actually gain the a file. Mm-hmm. And now with bishop c7, there's all sorts of rook a8 ideas at some point. So uh, here white is a tiny bit better, not much, but a tiny bit better. And that's why a3 was correct, and h3 was just a useless waste of time. Mm. Yes. Yeah, 97, like, computer says it's better for black, but it's based on a tactic, which I think neither of us noticed, otherwise he probably would have played it. Yeah. Uh, the tactic is, if I play a3 now... You mean after h3, 97, yeah? Yeah, yeah. h3, 97. If I play a3 now, I'm no longer in time. He takes on e4, takes on e4, takes on c5 with the knight or the bishop. Mm-hmm. But let's say the knight. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, my bishop on d2 hangs. Yes. And I can take on e5, but I end up like his queen's invaded on d2, and he has a very, very good and actually much better position. Absolutely no weaknesses. Rook d8, control of d file. This one is not looking good for you. Yeah. So I, I would have hopefully not uh, blundered that, would have noticed it and played a move like rook, for example, rook uh, f to d1 or rook a to d1. I don't know. Something else. Yeah. That's a3. Yeah. Okay. But he so- played bishop to b8. Knight b6, rook a6, b4. I really like this move, b4. I think it was, it created the most problems for, for Hikaru. Yeah, I was actually thinking a4, but it's a very hard move to make because it sacks a pawn. Uh, you can't take it immediately because d takes e4, rook a4, and queen d2, typical idea. But for example, white, white can play ed5 and then take the pawn. 
or Y can move the rook, defend D2, and then at what point? Take Excuse me. A4 after B4. Oh, like you mean for black? You mean for yeah, black? Yeah, I, got it, got I was it, considering it. this move very seriously. Yeah. Because um, he was thinking for a while. I think he was also considering it. Mm -hmm. But it's a difficult move to make. You know, it's uh, it could be a good move or it could be a, a rather stupid move. You, you don't know for sure. Yeah. So he took very natural mm -hmm. B7, threatens work B6. Basically, my idea was if bishop c7, I'm in time to play a4. He cannot take the pawn because there's rook hanging on f8. Mm -hmm. And I play a5 next move. And I, my knight on b6 is a funny outpost. It's like, doesn't do much, but it restricts a lot of black's pieces. And his rook on a6 is sort of semi-trapped. Like, mm -hmm. it's sort of attacking the pawn on a5, but also it can't go anywhere. And once you put the pawn on a5, it's kind of stuck, right? It's stuck, but it's not like a useless rook because my bishop on b4 is also stuck defending everything. Yeah. But he played rook, queen seven, rook d8, mm -hmm. a4, a4, d4. d4. I have to say, a move which surprised me, but it shows that Hikaru has, uh, does have excellent um, strategic understanding. Because I didn't actually, I thought like, okay, he plays d4 and he's going to get stuck. Yeah. But it turns out that after a5, he had this idea in knight e8. And then I realized that he's not stuck. He actually has this, this great plan of putting the knight to b5. And the knight on b5 is always threatening to come into c3. And although he's a bit stuck on the queen side, I'm also, I have these very long-term strategic weaknesses that he correctly identified. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A5 and C5, they're kind of very good pawns in one sense, but they're also, if we get to an endgame, all of White's pawns could fall. So yeah. I was also very worried long-term that if things go south, they could go really south. Yeah. So I decided to prepare F4. It looks F4. like a natural plan. Mm -hmm. nice he took, took F4. Yeah, he, he should play, he should take, because if he plays f6, then I play f5, and then he's left with this, like, his bishop on b8 suddenly becomes kind of dead. I can also yes. maybe take on e5, I wasn't sure, yes. 100%. But his bishop on b8 becomes kind of dead, while when he takes and then plays f6... I thought taking an f6 makes the most sense. Forget about yeah. what the computer is saying, yeah? The computer is saying that taking an f6 is, is inferior to f6 first, but it does make a lot of sense. I mean, you want to have that yeah. bishop on b8 opened up. No, I was I was worried about this, and I was hoping he would not take because sometimes people just instinctively they don't want to take because they want to preserve the structure in the center or whatever. Yeah. Um, but here it's felt felt to me like a correct decision. Mm -hmm. I probably went for the wrong plan here. I wanted to push e5 because I really wanted to blunt this bishop on b8. Rookie one, uh, knight b5, yeah, e5. Probably the wrong plan. Because after f5, I realized I'm really not like doing anything. My idea was, after f5, that I would try to get knight c4 and d6. But then I realized that after knight c4, he just takes on c4. And if I play dc4, he has this intermediate d3, and I don't win the pawn in f5. And then I move my queen somewhere, let's say d2, and then his knight goes via c7 to e6, and he has a very beautiful knight on e6, blockading everything. And now we start to see that a c pawn is destined to fall. The A pawn on A5 is also very likely to fall in the long term. Yeah. And I started to see a lot of strategic risk here. Oh, yeah. So that's why looking good. I decided to play King H1. Bishop C7, threatens Bishop takes B6. So that's uh -huh. why I play Rook to B1. Yes. Because I want to take with move. the C pawn. Rook to B1 was a good move. Yeah, I want to take with the C pawn so that he... Otherwise, the A pawn, he gets Rook A2, and I don't like that at all. So I want to take with the C pawn and... Like, if Bishop takes B6, yes. then that would be bad because TB6. And not yeah. only is his Rook on A6 not going anywhere... But long term, I have this potential past a pawn that can, and the bishop on b4 is finally free. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't want to do that. So he played king h8, natural move. I played rook b2, 
Rook B2 is kind of twofold. The Rook eyes the king side, so it's like a defensive piece. And the second thing was that Knight C3 at some point would attack the Rook. Now I don't have to, have to worry about Knight C3 or Knight A3. Yeah. B5, excellent move. G5. Yeah, excellent move. Um, I think he, he's also a bit stuck for ideas, so he decided to go for the one pawn break he has. I thought this Here was I a made, very good move by him. Yeah, I was confused at this moment, and I made a mistake. I should have made some move. But FG5, strategic mistake, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, here I start to drift for, for about like uh, two, three moves or so. Oh yeah, queen d1, queen h7. But still, the position remained extremely complex, right? And very yeah, tense. Yeah, thing. That, that's something that kind of um, was present throughout the match. Uh, tension all over the place in every single game. Well, with Hikaru, it's, it's usually the case that the positions remain tense because... Um, like he has this quality which he shares with Magnus, which is that even if his position is bad and he does often get bad positions, he always tries to keep a little bit of a um, something to look forward to, mm. so that you're suffering or you have a bad position and you know it, but someday you have some sort of quality in the position, um, which could turn into something great. Like there was a recent example, Anish was playing Magnus. Uh, and his in the I think it was the World Blitz Championship. I think it was Blitz, not Rapid. It was definitely in a, in a, in Almaty. Mm -hmm. But um, it was I think it was the Blitz, and Anish was completely winning. But Magnus kept his tiniest sort of strategic hope alive, and suddenly it, everything worked out. Like Anish fell right into the into the trap. It was a strategic trap, and suddenly Anish's position goes from winning to losing in a move. And it was only because Magnus kept this sort of um, this like one factor of the position, which if it goes well, it goes really, really well. That's crazy. And so Hikaru is also trying to, to always look for like that sort of um, that sort of thing. Like you, you have a hope, right? Something to play for. Yeah. So that always keeps the games tense. Um, Queen e one, rook to g eight. Queen d one, I thought was a good move. Like I really thought this is a good move. I was proud of this move, and then. My first intention was knight c4, but then I thought knight c3 and it doesn't look too good. After the move, and so I thought, uh, oh, you, you you mean after queen d, queen d1 or before queen d1? Yeah, queen d1, queen d1. I was basically saying play queen h7 because queen d1 is threatening queen h5. So I'm like, okay, right. A every human would play queen h7 here. And then with queen e1, you said you were happy with this move. Yeah, I thought so because my first intention was knight c4 yes. to go to d6. The knight on d6 would be pretty tremendous, to be honest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then I was like, okay, knight c4, knight c3, and I don't like this position too much. Because queen e1, it feels like the knight's coming to d5, and I didn't like that. That it can mm -hmm. go to e3, and if my bishop on g2 falls, basically everything falls. So that's why I played queen e1 first. I was like, okay, uh, I will play knight c4 next move, and if you play knight c3, I will happily take it, and now I will be able to win a pawn on c3 by bishop c3, d c3, queen c3. Yeah. So he played rook g8. Looks like a normal move. He's kind of preparing g4 and uh, some sort of attack on the king side. But I wasn't super worried because, like, I always thought, okay, he plays g4 and then he takes on h3. And I move my bishop and my king on h1 is still covered. Yeah. So it's not like this gh3 threat is game deciding. Mm -hmm. It's 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 a sort of idea to keep in mind, but it's not like a huge threat. Yeah. So I played knight c4 rather quickly. I was very happy to get the knight to d6. G4, knight d6. G4, knight d6. And now I feel he made a really bad move. G3. Yeah. You know, I, I was surprised by this move because 
Okay, g takes h3, bishop to f3. I was looking at some sort of rook g2 stuff. I couldn't understand it, what was going on. Um, but yeah, I, I apparently it's just terrible because I take in king g2 and I have rook h1. But okay, this stuff was not like 100% clear to me during the game. Yeah. But g3 just, I didn't consider the move because it looked like you take all the pressure off my position. And even though it kind of has the idea of f4, I was thinking like, okay, f4 at some point, and then you take on h3, but I can always like take back in king g1 or mm -hmm. king g1 immediately. And, and then the rook on b2 finally does uh, a very good job. Yeah, defending I, I was thinking that everything would have to work out for him for this attack to go through. Yeah, Like, of course, I, I can get mated here, but things would have to go really wrong. And if I play king g1, for example, after g3, I don't really see the attack at all. Yeah. So g3 is, is definitely uh, his his intuition left him down with this one. Mm -hmm. let, let him down with this one. Rook to f4, not a great move, but... It's fine. I, I think rook f4 uh, makes a, a lot of sense to my eyes. At least from yeah. a strategical point of view. And it doesn't yeah, throw probably, away anything, yeah? Probably correct with some sort of rook f3. Yeah. But, because again, f4, I can just take on f4. Like, there's no there's no threat here. Because bishop takes h3 is not is not a dangerous thing, right? Yeah. I mean, there's knight, there's knight f7. Seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but even if I don't have knight f7, it's not, there's no danger with bishop h3. It's not like really threatening anything so much. Yeah. Uh, so, so rook f4, okay. Bishop d8, very natural. Bishop comes to g5. Mm -hmm. Bishop, Bishop d2, d2 was just pure luck that this was a good move <laughs> because I wasn't sure what to do, but I thought... I thought, first of all, okay, bishop g5, I'm happy to trade this bishop off. I actually thought that and you were going to sacrifice the exchange. No, it wasn't my idea. leave the rook on f4. No, my idea was... I didn't want to sack the exchange because I didn't see why I'm like strategically better in the rest of the position. Mm -hmm. I mean... I don't think that I have the sort of advantage that I can sack material. I think uh, I only have an advantage if I win material, in fact. And if I'm better here, it's because I, I start to win some of his pawns. Yeah. So, so bishop d2 was sort of, I want to trade the bishop off. And also the rook on b2, someday it might go to b7. I, I like that uh, rook takes b7 ideas are someday in the cards in case of knight c3, for example. So rook to f1 is a correct move. Mm-hmm. Suddenly he has to find like an only move, which to me is under time constraints is simply impossible. Queen to h5. I mean, some bizarre looking move. It doesn't even seem to have an idea. What's that thing? Um, actually, I don't actually what know. in the world does... Ah, wait, no, never mind. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but also queen to h5, I mean, you just take on g5. I'm not convinced that it helps him too much. I think this is just well, the chess.com engine, which perhaps I, no, is no, I, I think it's... It's like it's a move which basically tries to keep the game alive, as in just tries to resist. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly why uh, it helps Black, but I have a feeling that if he plays Rook to A8 Instead to get the other Rook in the game, Queen H5, then maybe I'm like taking on B5 and taking a pawn, and his attack doesn't work out. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not 100 percent sure if that's the reason. Queen to H5, maybe. His idea is he wants to, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it would probably take a good amount of analysis to understand why this move mm -hmm, is, mm -hmm, is the best move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, maybe the queen is just slightly better there and in some long variations it manifests. Perhaps. So okay. Queen H6. But this is like some computer move. We, we don't have to worry too much about it. Queen h6 he played, which seemed like a pretty bad move. You took yeah, on f5. Yeah, I was actually hesitating. My first intention was knight f5, but then I was like, oh, maybe rook f5 is even more accurate. 
Um, but then I was like, why, why get carried ahead? I mean, I had 30 seconds. Might as well play the yeah, first move. Knight of five looked good. Queen h7 was shocking to me. Apparently, I just win with take on g5, root knight g3, and I've collected most of his pawns. Yep. So I'm winning just on material. Yep. Um, but instead, I went to d6 because I saw bishop h3, knight f7. I assumed I was winning there. <laughs> and otherwise, I thought, okay, it's the same position without the f1. Yep. Then he takes, and I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> uh, I'm getting checkmated, yeah. I, I might be. I might have knight f seven, but I'm also going to. My king is is going for a run, but then I realize that this run is actually not so dangerous. Yeah, and I have to, like I can also take on g five with the uh, bishop and similar stuff. Yep. My king goes for a little run, but his king is actually the kind of long term target. His king is weaker because I have a, a million pieces surrounding it. Yep. And yeah, that's what happened thinks... in the game. My king ran all the way to g four. Yeah. Then knight c7, uh, rook b7, king h6, take on c7. Yeah, king h6 was kind of funny. At this point, I was no longer like seeing anything. Basically, I There's saw king h6 and I was much, like, oh, right? he's threatening queen h5. But queen h5, I play king g3. And then I was like, okay, no more I'll chance. take the knight. But <laughs> in fact, I can move my knight anywhere and just win all his, like knight of three wins a queen and so on. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh, knight so of three, I, I took on check. c7, kind of silly. <laughs> I mean, this is Then he took on a5. Yeah. But this he flagged, like, right? No, or no, did no. He, just he, took on he took on a5 and resigned because then he realized I have rook h7 and so on. Mm, mm. Um, he actually said in his recap that white does not have a single losing move, but white has one losing move. Bishop takes a5. Which is queen g3. Bishop takes a5. Bishop, take, Bishop takes a5 is also right? line rook f4 made, yeah. Ah, and queen um, g3, queen h5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if <laughs> white nice. were yeah. to make any neutral move, then white doesn't really win. Yeah, yeah. No, and even if uh, white were to play rook h1, white wins. So yeah, it's uh, that it's was winning in many ways. that was a pretty crazy game, I have to say. Um, and then you guys drew uh, quite a crazy game. Also, I remember. Uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, a blunderful game. The second one. Just tell me the most important moments of that game. Okay, it was some sort of complete mess. Let's just go and. I was winning for sure, and then I made a bad move. Rook takes e3. I traded rooks. Very bad decision. Then it was unclear. Then suddenly I'm much, much better, maybe winning again. Mm -hmm. uh, he plays his knight c7. And when I played king g7, knight c7, I, I actually missed knight c7 when I played king g7. Mm -hmm. um, or I, I kind of saw it, but I thought, okay, I'd move my rook to a5 or something. And then I realized, oops, bishop to b6. Uh, so I can't go to a5. Oh, and I saw g6 is a safe square. Yes. But then I was like, this is while he was thinking. Then I was like, oh, I have this, instead of rook g6, which is a safe square, but kind of weird square, I have this move knight d6, and that actually solves all of my issues at once and just wins the game. <laughs> so knight c7, I played knight d6 literally within a second or like a fraction of a second. And, and as soon as I played it, I was like, oh, I'm losing on the spot. Rook and fate. <laughs> I pure... Pure chance I'm not losing, and I have rook c6, rook d8, knight c4, knight e8, king g6, only way not to lose. Bishop Which c1. is kind of funny, because actually at this point, he, he kind of, I felt he started relaxing. Um, he saw this move, rook takes f8. I think there was some sort of memories coming back from his match against Wesley. A uh, very similar thing happened. He was losing, and then Wesley blundered a piece. And I felt like at this point, perhaps, um, he thought that he's just winning. And he relaxed. And then he understood that 
with 38 seconds and with that pawn on B2 and your knight coming to C4, putting a lot of pressure, not that easy anymore. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's not like if he was, if he was objectively better here, he would have found a way to prove it. Yeah. But by some divine miracle, I'm not even worse. Yeah. And practically speaking, it's probably even easier for black because my moves are very simple. Like after Bishop C1, I, I didn't have to calculate. I just played F6 because I want to play King F7 and I want to trap his knight. Mm -hmm. That was my entire thought process. I, I expected knight rook to D7 just to try to extricate this knight and probably that was the best practical move. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now you have to take on A3. Instead he went rook B8, kind of useless move. Not like a bad move, objectively, but a useless one. It doesn't do anything. King yeah. F7, King H3, Knight A3. He's starting to drift. Yes. Take Rook C1, G4. Kind of crazy. I didn't expect that. I thought he would go Knight D6 to get the Knight out of the way. Here I'm winning. Um, my The easiest way to win was on move 56, I had them Rook to C4 check. And if he goes to F5, he gets mated on F4. Ooh, if he goes yeah. back, he's simply down two pawns. Leave the King on F7 so that King F5 is not possible. And if he, yeah, he can take on H6, but it's it's kind of losing because the King is so badly cut off there. And I play Rook to F4, and then I just, I think, move my King slowly the up the board yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and his king is just like stuck on g6 and somewhere somewhere where it has no influence yeah um you took so on winning yeah then i so we blundered a bunch of times in this end game rook a3 here he he had a draw with uh two ways either check first and then king e5 or rook before which is not such an easy move no but um but it it was a drawing move. And he, instead he played king e5, he allowed rook to b3. And as he said, the peepos, the wide peepos uh, promote. I mean, yes. a3 and then the h-pawn just runs. His king isn't isn't getting back. Yeah. Uh, so black wins here. <laughs> rook to b3, I was like, I saw this move. Wait, did you see it? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely on my radar. Uh, but I was kind of, to be honest... In this sort of mode where I was uh, not really thinking clearly anymore, and I thought I saw H five before, and I kind of thought that like my pawn's running, and then I realized, oh, he just has king to f three, and um, and that's it. Yeah, and he gets like, he gets to g two. Yeah, it, it's it's plays, a one move one move calculation. Yeah. yeah. If if my pawn's on h four, I win. Yes. My, if you get the pawn to h three and you don't allow king to g two, then he cannot approach your yeah. pawn. So, so it was a one tempo thing, but um, but I had eleven seconds, I think. So it was kind of silly to play h five basically within a second. I think a more um, maybe more experienced player would have uh, spent like eight seconds here and maybe figured out that rook b three is the right move. But, but okay, still a pretty crazy game. And then once again with the white pieces, you guys had an interesting situation. Uh, he played this e5 Rosolimo once again. By the way, Magnus played this against Wesley in the morning. Did you see that game? Yeah, I saw that e5 and Wesley played d4. He did. Okay, so so to preface this line, like e5 was originally Magnus's sort of. He was the one who introduced this into the top level in recent times mm -hmm. against me. Mm -hmm. We played like uh, an online match in the clutch chess event. I don't know if you remember these events that were yeah. organized by St. Louis chess, chess club. club. Mm -hmm. And we started off basically, he was playing, it was all roast limo and he was playing E6 and he was suffering. And I was winning a bunch of games in this E6, uh, third move E6 line. And at some point he switched to E5 
Mm-hmm. And I didn't know the move. In the yes. first game I lost, I think I played some kind of D3, Knight, C3, some very generic um, stuff. Then I, I eventually beat him twice in this line. And then I played it myself against Niels Grandelli, so I know the line pretty well. Uh, D4 is not supposed to lead to an advantage. So I think that basically, like Wesley played D4 and then he started to think for forever. I don't really know what went wrong with his preparation. I think yeah. he mixed something up. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, we, we weren't... We were watching this with Hikaru uh, on on his channel, and we didn't understand exactly why. Um, so I think what he mixed up is that if White plays like I played, D4, I think after Bishop C seven he played like C three or something like that. I don't remember exactly. No, I think the game was Knight takes D four on move six, C D four, C three, Bishop uh-huh. C five, B four, Bishop B six, A four. I think this is how that game went. If I'm um, if I'm remembering correctly, C three, Bishop yes, B four, Bishop B six, A four, yeah. He played the and A4. So, so mm-hmm. it, it bears a lot of similarity to... I'll just go into the move I played, bishop c4 yes. on move 6. Yes. Bishop c7. Here the correct move is h6, which has been played many times. Ah, so bishop c7 um, you think was a misstep by Hikaru? Yeah, bishop c7 is not accurate, and I'll, I'll explain why. Um, but first, uh, what Wesley, I think, wants to go for was h6, take on d4, cd4, c3... Bishop c5. This is a, a line that I've analyzed a long time ago. Mm-hmm. B4, bishop to b6. And this is very similar to the, his game, but with the inclusion of bishop c4 and h6. And I think he mixed up these two lines. Because now you have queen h5. So a4, a6. Well, actually, a4, a6 doesn't well, target the bishop anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a better... Like, I don't know if black plays a6, but uh, basically it's a better version because yeah. the bishop on c4 is, is more active than on b5. That makes sense. And besides a4, white does have other moves. For example, queen to b3 is a big move, uh, which uh, I think it was the main move that I checked at some point. Yeah. Okay. Um, you so, played bishop c4, bishop c7, knight g5. Yeah, bishop c7, I knew it was not the right move, but I what, couldn't remember why. Was the and I had this, this feeling the move was bishop to g5. I had the feeling that it was bishop to g5. Mm-hmm. But then I couldn't figure out this position after knight e7, knight c3, f6. It just looked like <clears throat> some sort of weird mess to me. Yes. But it turns out that... Sir, I'm having trouble connecting to the internet. No, no, Alexa. I swear. You really have to unplug your Alexa. I swear this, this actually never happens. This is a life like, hack. They're listening. To it, it, it's, it hasn't happened in weeks, and then suddenly it happens twice. <laughs> Um, anyway, I, I felt Bishop G5 was the right move and it was the right move. It's what I had in my notes, but it is some sort of total mess like Bishop G5, F6, Knight D4, CD4, Bishop C1, but it was the correct way to play. I couldn't figure this out over the board. So I played Knight G5. He followed up with a mistake. Knight H6. Uh, he should play Knight to E6, but he was afraid of F4, which is, I think, pretty understandable because F4 is a terrifying move, but... Um, but it's, it's well, it is fun. right because once you take on in f4, you go knight takes f7, and the position goes into complete madness, right? Falls yeah. into complete madness. No, no, I fully understand why he didn't want to go for that. Um, like you have but to, it was you're, you're a piece out, but you might get checkmated in the next five moves, basically, yeah. if you don't play. Yeah, the best so moves. so he played knight h6, which it's like a, it's a bad move, but it's not easy to refute anyway. Knight c3 castle. And my first intention was the right one. I should have played knight d5. Mm-hmm. I didn't play it because of b5. Mm-hmm. 
but take take bishop d5 bishop b7 uh, i guess that white is still better here like take take and c3 mm -hmm. and i think i didn't realize that after 96 probably white is better in this position Knight takes e6 d takes e6 bishop h6 gh6 maybe it was like a very safe way to play because of course white cannot be worse here yeah with this damaged pawn structure on the king's side but um yeah this was the practical choice Instead, I decided to be subtle. It's kind of h3. I don't know what I was doing. King h8, good move. a4, f6, knight 3, knight g8, knight mm -hmm. d5, knight e7. I was not worried because I, I figured that even in the worst case, I'm probably not going to be worse. Yeah. Right? Because I have the knight on the d5 square is such a nice outpost. Yeah. On the other hand, probably I'm not any better. Yeah. And, and, we and kind of, it did feel like he was more or less trying to. To, to bounce back with this game and not have to be in a must-win situation with White. Um, no, it, from from his opening choice, it was clear. And and I can just like say my strategy, if he played the, the Berlin, his normal choice, was to make a draw. You were uh, going I was to go queen e4, queen d4, yeah? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I wasn't going to make a draw that way, necessarily, but I was going to make a draw, yeah. or at least try to. Yeah. Um, because I figure... That like his chances of winning one game on demand, they're for sure he has chances, but I don't think that they're super super high. Yeah. Um, that being said, usually we do see comebacks. We do see a lot of comebacks. So I don't know if it's the right decision, but I was I was going to count on my ability to hold with black. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so queen let's just four, skip forward. B eight, B four, lots of shuffling. Queen to C four, F five. It felt like he's we were... getting some uh, release in the position, but still you have this bishop on d5 extremely, extremely um He was outplaying powerful. me. Like, there's no other way to, to say it. He was outplaying me, and... Uh, I think at this point, when you played rook to a1, he had a good opportunity to maybe take on b4 and go e5. Take on b4, c4, and which move? At move um, 28... 27 instead of rook f7. Yeah, no, I, I see, but after c takes before, which move does black play? Maybe e4. I think this is but what this is very double edged because I do have potentially passed a pawn, and I don't think black is better if I play queen c4, for example. Queen I don't know. Four, queen e5. Yeah, rook b1. Rook a b1. Yeah. Yeah, maybe now I have to take on a4 and it becomes. Or less. rook a2 maybe is more. Or, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I, I yeah. think that if black has any advantage, it's not easy to prove it. But yeah. maybe maybe it's better for black. Yeah. Yeah. So he played rook c8. Okay. I mean, it doesn't spoil anything. Yeah, I think we were both in the non-concrete mode. Like we don't want to calculate much. We just want to make moves, which kind of try to keep a little bit of control in the position. Yeah. Queen c4, b5, take on b5. Rook takes b5, queen g4. I think he mentioned. Yeah, I found here. this tricky move, um, Queen G4. My idea was Queen E4 was the first thought mm -hmm. to play this Bishop C4 D5 idea. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, why don't I provoke Bishop D7 first, so that after Queen E4 he doesn't have Bishop G6 stuff, which mm -hmm. looked mildly annoying. Mm -hmm. And and then you know I'll try to play Bishop C4 B5 D5 and make a draw. So he played Rook B8, Bishop C4, Rook B8, Bishop D5. At this point, I see no way for him to avoid a draw. Um, Except I really Rook expected a7. him to take it because, like, it looked like there's there's nothing there for him, and um, Rook A7 didn't even come to mind. It's such a like a shocking move to me. Yeah. And 
And I was thinking, okay, he's winding the last game, so what's the need for him to panic? I mean, it's a perfectly normal, you know, normal situation. situation. Yes, yes, that we've yes. all faced. Like he faced it with Black against Pedro Save, must win. Yeah, he faced, um, you know, Artemi of today faced it against Levon, must win with Black, much harder than with White. Mm-hmm. To, to everyone would agree. Yeah. So I, I really thought he would take a draw. And I wasn't opposed to it either because I thought I was a bit worse at some point. So Rook A seven. At this point, I was like, alarm bells were going off because it feels like. You know, he's pinned every which way. So if I get B5 and C4, then I just win, right? Just like strategically, B pawn is super strong. Yeah. Queen E2, decent move. A4, E, B5. At this point, I'm like thinking I'm just winning this game. Queen C4, good move. A3, Rook B3. At this point, I'm like, how does he even hold on here? Queen F8. <laughs> yep. Uh, here I could have won with Rook takes A3. Just take on A3. Take, take, Rook B5. And I saw this and I saw like Queen C6 and Rook A5 and... Uh, Looked like, you know, why am I doing this? But there's actually a winning move work to a7, which I yes. did not see. Yes. Um, to be fair, it's not, I think, 100% obvious with low time, but I had a minute 30. Maybe I could have figured it out. So uh, C4, I, I also thought C4 is winning. Like, I didn't see this a2, rook b2, queen g8 idea because I just thought. But I think it like, is I, winning, even with this queen g8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah? You but just like, don't have to take on g8, basically. I basically thought I win without calculation. I mean, Queen G8 is an excellent move. Obviously, yeah. Hikaru is, is a very tenacious defender in general. Queen G8, very bad move. Um, so the reason why I didn't play Queen to E4, it wasn't because of this D5, it was because of Rook to A4. Mm-hmm. And then after Rook to A4, apparently Queen C6 is very strong, but I did not notice this idea at all. Yeah. And maybe psychology was a bit getting in the way. Like, I was happy to play a safe position with some winning chances. Mm-hmm. If it was like a must, must win, then I like let's say I was down in the match, then I probably would have played Queen E4 here. Yeah. Uh or something. Yeah. Like, you know, just just to just to have a chance at uh, keep as much winning chances as I can. Yeah. Instead I took, 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 took D5, C D rook B5, Rook A8, Bishop to B8 forced. Good move. Otherwise yeah. he loses King F7. Rook A7. Yeah. Took you a should. pawn. At this point, I was already like kind of resigning myself to the draw because it looked very drawish. But then I saw this move Bishop A3. I was quite happy. <clears throat> he does not have an immediate way to draw. E4, G4. I was expecting Bishop E5 here, but I actually thought I had decent winning chances because I give a check on A7. His king has to go to G6 most likely. I think one good way probably was uh, to pin you down. So go Rook B1, King H2, E4, force G3, and now Rook to A1. Uh, rook b1 instead of e4. King right. E2, e4, g4, g3. g3, and now rook a1. And if he forces this trade uh, of the bishops, then probably it's just a technical draw, yeah. So what's the difference? Like, why doesn't he play... He can also, after e4, g4, he can still play rook b1, king g2, and rook a1, no? Or is there a difference? Mm, I, ah, it's it's maybe a slight difference. Here, I, because can get, the, I can achieve h4, h5, and get a yeah. slightly better version. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which... It's not obvious. Which is still a draw, but maybe a more unpleasant draw. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Okay, so yeah, that was very accurate, but but not easy to see that. Because E4 looks like an automatic move. You threaten mate, you know? Yeah. G4, and yeah, H5, I mean, um, we already spoke about this moment, but uh, yeah, surprising. Like, it's not a position where you need to give up the pawn. Mm-hmm. You have other options. You have bishop E5, for example, as a natural move. Yeah. Like in the game, rook a7, king g6. Here it's there's no checkmate on a fade. 
d6 and then you put the bishop on f6 or, or something like that and you um you kind of control this d-pawn you don't win it but you control it and then you ask white how to make progress which is very difficult yeah and if he had done this i think 95 percent draw yeah i mean my winning chances would would be between like five to eight eight percent at most <laughs> and, okay he played bishop e5 and both of you started laughing which was quite quite a funny moment uh, no my first podcast. thought was confusion yeah uh but it only lasted like two seconds i mean i think even less than that immediately after uh, he played bishop e5 i saw you kind of look around and then play rook f8 and just bounce off yeah i don't really understand this whole h5 bishop e5 even if i play rook a7 or you know like in general i don't understand it um but but yeah rook f8 <laughs> a bit easier it's also a nice feeling when it just ends it like it's not just that it you win the game but this blunder ends the match yeah on the spot yeah 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 so, quite a nice uh quite a nice gift from hikaru who we have to say definitely had a bad day like he he was not even close to his best today no of course um and it's funny because in the post game post match interview he also said that you didn't have your best day either um or at least he felt like you didn't have the best day it was just a very imprecise match altogether um yeah the quality was not fully there i think um the uh first two games were definitely riddled with mistakes like we had we had our moments right we, we yeah. weren't overly playing badly we had our uh, good moments but yeah a lot of mistakes for sure like i wouldn't point his match as like you know the epitome of uh <laughs> of precision of, of precision, precision. Yeah. <laughs> like if i want to think back to like a, a perfectly precise match um there was this carlson hikaru final from like 20 20 i think right mm, seven seven match matches 24 one yeah seven mini matches very weird format carlson won eventually but the level there was very high close to classical level or maybe Sets. even classical level. i i remember that yeah that was a good one that was um, a good one this match yeah it was once we got into time trouble the the quality was lacking before still, time trouble I, it, it was decent before still, time trouble it was I mean, you're in the finals, yeah. That's that's quite important, and that's quite an advantage because now you get a rest day, and you also have two lives. So that's pretty significant if you want to win the tournament. Who do you expect? How preface this match between Hikaru and either Levon or Magnus tomorrow? How how do you think it's going to play out? Yeah. So from a, like a personal point of view, I, I root for Levon. He's, we're, we're quite friendly. Mm -hmm. We uh, uh, we hang out often, so I, I do. Even though I would have to play him, I do root for him. Mm -hmm. uh, Carlson, of course, especially when he gains some momentum, is uh, is a force to be reckoned with. So he's had he had a very bad first match against Artemiev, a very tough one, very imprecise for sure, not as as best level, let's say. Uh, but he's gained some momentum. He beat. Uh, I think against Lequang, it was like, yeah, it wasn't a spectacular match, but he got the job done against Wesley today. Very, uh, very decent level, very yeah. smooth. Yeah. So against Levon, we, we do have to consider Magnus the favorite. Mm -hmm. But if there's one player who I would uh, who I would pick out as a guy who can surprise anyone, it would definitely be Levon. Um, 
like because he's you know he's been around for forever and uh he's not at his peak like he was at some point 28 35 right he's had mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um probably the fourth highest rating in history i think mm -hmm. that would be accurate mm -hmm. uh classical peter rating of course i'm talking yeah. about yeah so like people forget just how i mean how he good is, he is. Yeah. yeah people how forget just how yeah how besides magnus and myself in terms of like tournament victories in the modern of like our generation obviously vichy kramnik these guys all were world champion and, and won a million tournaments but but levon is is uh you know uh super tournament victories he's up there with like 20 um so and there was a, a time when he was considered basically the equal to magnus and who would become world champion first and like let's say we go back 10 years to 2012 or so while Vichy was still world champion. So, um, yeah, a lot people of people had him, uh, basically as the, the wild card, as in every single candidates, he was the one, a lot of people were seeing as the favorite and he yeah, never for, made for it, but still like, well, he, last, he I had think, some bad luck because he won those lines. He should have qualified for a match. There was, I mean, I won't get into it, but there was when he was winning the Grand Prix series, um, and basically was, this should have qualified for a match back then. Hmm. And he won, he won two two World Cups as well, which yeah. uh, I don't know if anyone else has done. So, so yeah, uh, people like forget because they got into chess more recently, or they they don't know just how um, how it, it's not like he's the favorite against Magnus, of course not, but. Uh, just how possible it is that he can outplay Magnus on a single day. Yeah. So then they'll one of those guys will play Hikaru. If it's Magnus, I would definitely give Magnus the favorite, but we know they play really close matches. So I would still give Magnus like considering that, it's it's still a bit of a long shot, but nobody would be surprised if he wins two matches and qualifies for the final, right? Yeah, no, uh of course. Cool. Well still plenty of games uh to be played. Um I will be doing some commentary on Hikaru's channel tomorrow. He's playing a big match either with Magnus or Levon. That should be exciting. I'm also going to be doing commentary uh, for the match uh, between Levon and, and and Magnus. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I've been enjoying it. It's 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 a good tournament. I really like these double elimination formats. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like them, but I'm a fan. They call it, uh, yeah. some people call it uh, the zombie bracket. Like you die once and then you're still not dead yet. Um, I saw that on Twitter. I saw that. That was coined by... Um, I think Jonathan Tisdall. Or, yeah, yeah, Tisdall, or, or, who's, or who's American, like uh, American Norwegian. I like that one, the zombie bracket. Yeah, yeah. No, so, uh, so a lot of So I, I will like say one uh, issue... It's a small issue. I mean, I like this format. I think it's very exciting. But one issue I have with this format is that it becomes pretty clear early on who will be qualifying. Like Magnus already qualified for the final, right? We should remember all these events are just qualification steps towards the final, which is held at the end of the year. Yes. If you win an event, you qualify. So Magnus qualified. But because of the system where if you get top three, you get to the next event and there are guaranteed tour points. Yes. And... And if you get enough tour points, you are uh, pretty much guaranteed to qualify. For example, Hikaru already, because he got second place last time, mm -hmm. that gives him 100 tour points. Mm -hmm. And that qualified him for this time. Mm -hmm. And that means that he's already guaranteed 75. Another qualification. And then another qualification. So he's guaranteed 175. 
already. Yeah. yeah. Possibly more. He could, of course, still win this event. Right. Um, and then he's going to qualify for the next one exactly. on virtue of being top three, which will give him a minimum of 30. And since it's Hikaru, we would guess he'll probably get 50, maybe 75. Maybe he'll just win the whole thing mm. in, in the next one. So the equity you get from finishing top three is so great that it doesn't it doesn't really make sense to me. Like you shouldn't the goal mm-hmm, should not be to mm-hmm, get top mm-hmm, three. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and Hikaru shouldn't already be pretty much a shoe in to qualify because he got second place in the first event. Yeah, and right? I think he like, mentioned that as well. He said um the goal was to get top three. And after that, sure it's you get more money, you get more points, but top three is the most important because it qualifies you to the next one. Yeah, no, well, okay, the top one I think is the most important because then you just qualify and you don't have to worry about Directly, it anymore. Yeah. But between like two or three, it's not as like the difference between three and four and three and five is so much more than the difference between two and three. Yeah. Two and three is only a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Uh, three and like uh let's say you know you got sixth place because you um uh you lost uh two matches, let's say how for example a Kwang Liam, right? Yeah. Then, then the difference is really massive because then you have to go through the whole uh, gauntlet again, right? Mm-hmm, you have mm-hmm. to play the, this the, the plane phase, which is murderous row. There, you have to get top eight. Yeah, to get top eight then you have to win a match to yeah. qualify. So you have to do two things. One is you have to go top eight, which is probably you have to score at least plus three. It's not easy. And then you have to win a match against someone who who could be Magnus, right? Yeah. Or, or okay, not Magnus because he he qualifies, um, or at least last time he qualified. But it could be, for example, Ali Reza Farouche, right? You have to win against match against yeah. Ali Reza to. to it, it just feels a little bit um, like it's not the most, um, let's say, equitable system. But it's difficult to come up with the perfect system. Top three, you get in some sort of a, a loop situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get top three, and then. <laughs> You loop well, yourself what, into the um, championship. Someone, a member of our Discord, said when I when I beat uh, Artemia, right, and I guaranteed top three along with Hikaru. <laughs> uh, uh, this person, our Discord, said yeah. infinite uh, tour glitch unlocked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is yeah, it's I don't know. They should rethink that next time, if um, or at least they should give it some more consideration. Cool. Uh, Awesome. Awesome recap. Really enjoyed it. A lot of interesting uh, insights into the games today. And um, let's remind people uh, what they can do to support the channel right now. So we do have a Discord. You can join the Discord. You can chat in the Discord, be active, stay in touch with uh, us as uh, you participate in these events. It's a lot of fun to keep in touch with uh, the fans. So that's one way to support the channel. Another way, the simplest way is obviously to subscribe, like the video, subscribe. That helps the the all-knowing algorithm. So that's uh, very helpful as well. What else, Fabi? Do we have anything else that we need to announce? Uh, no, you know, follow our socials. It's it's nice. We, we have some active members in the Discord. It's nice that we have a uh, little bit of a community, right? Some people who enjoy oh, yeah. interacting with each other and... So join that and, uh, you know, speak to us or speak to other other members or, uh, you know, viewers of, of our podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in terms of future things, we do have 
some interesting plans regarding the World Chess Championship match. I hope they work out. I hope that we're able to implement them, but we have some interesting plans with that. Yes, yes. Uh, We're we're planning on staying very active during the World Championship match. So if you want to stay in touch with everything we post, yeah, make sure, like, subscribe, ring the bell, you know, you know the drill. Yeah, so just to remind people, that match is starting in four days. I think that's. I think I'm right about that. Four you days. Are very much correct. Ding yes. Liren against uh, against Yanni Pamiashi. One of those players will become the new world champion. Magnus Carlsen will no longer be the world classical FIDE world champion, or whatever you want to call it. Um, obviously, some uh, controversy over that because Magnus is still the highest rated player in the world. But one of those players will be the world champion, and we will. Um, be doing something for it and i think we will be doing uh, an extensive uh, pre-match analysis of uh, the players and weak their weaknesses yeah, their strengths sure. uh, kind of a match analysis before the match uh, begins and that's going to be yeah, done in the next definitely. few days i saw dubov spoke a little bit about it we'll we'll definitely um we'll definitely be speaking about the players their chances their openings so on and i will also uh i don't think this is like a secret anymore i will be doing commentary for the last half of it this is not a secret anymore yes yeah i don't think it's a secret um no. i think like it was published it. somewhere Chess.com has announced so it. i'll be doing commentary for the last games from round nine or so until the end depending how long it goes hopefully, the, it hopefully the match doesn't end before that <laughs> i don't think it can can I mean, yeah i guess it can okay nobody's gonna win it all can the but that's not going to happen yeah. Pretty much guarantee that. But yes. um, that'll be for chess.com. And uh, co-commentators, I think I'll be doing it with Robert Hess, Daniel Neroditsky, the usual guys who everyone loves to see. Um, I think Tanya Sachdev, also, um, Tanya Sachdev, of course. Uh, Tanya and Robert are also doing the commentary for the Champions Chess Tour. So check that out uh, if you guys want to see the final matches. Cool. Excellent. Fabi. Go get some rest, man. Um, Thank you. you. You you've earned it. You've earned the rest day, and uh, we will see you in the grand finals. Yeah, see you guys there. All right, cheers, guys.